Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 160 for June 9th, 2023. Today we're calling today's episode, today we're calling, tonight we're calling today's episode, Mike Muted, Collectible Lawsuit Game, B Hotels, and more news. Let's go. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com, even though the website isn't scrolled up to the very top. And speaking of... Wait, I better rephrase that. The person in the top bunk <clears throat> is actually an AI. You want to say hi, AI? Good evening, hometown citizens. Oh. This is a new thing. I... It, it didn't always do this, it, and then it did it, and it was fixed, and now it's doing it again. You want to say hi again? Okay. Good evening, hometown citizens. There it is. See? There's something weird. I think there was an update to the audio interface, the application by which the audio interface is grabbing that data, and it's causing it to just bork. Hi, well, I... That's inside baseball, but that's what everybody is paying the big bucks to listen to right now. Man, the luxury price for hometown, it, it's, it's astonishing, folks. If only y'all knew. Um, let's get into today's articles. What do you say? Sounds like a plan. Hey, it does sound like a plan because you're an AI and you have an audio interface. So everything sounds like a plan to you, I suppose. Let's get going. So the very first article is in the Late Night Geeks channel. And I was just making sure that the audio wasn't really loud. Logitech is killing off the Blue Mic brand. We'll sell Yeti and Astro under the Logitech G brand. So, like all good mergers and acquisitions, eventually it becomes a murder, and I I, I don't know who you are, uh, new mic, who disc kind of a thing, where the Blue brand will just kind of fade away. Sun-bleached until it's indistinguishable from another marketing brand. Okay, Logitech bought gaming headset maker Astro for $85 million in 2017 and purchased mic manufacturer Blue Microphones for $177 million a year later. Now, it's merging. <clears throat> wow. Now it's merging both into the Logitech G brand, which it's such a, it's okay. We're going to lose. We're going to lose a, a, a possible, uh, what, 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 what do you, what do you want to call them? Sponsor. Sponsor. You think, okay. We're going to lose another sponsor if I say the rest of this sentence, but anyway, I don't like the Logitech G brand. It's such a goofy. Why call it Logitech G? Because they're trying that's... to distinguish it from like Logitech, I Whatever guess. Else. But I don't okay. like it either. Logitech G. And then you see just Logi, L-O-G-I, 
LOG, whatever. Anyway, brand, it's a brand for gamers and streamers. While Astro will largely continue, the blue brand is getting axed. Just wait until Astro gets axed as well. So will the blue microphones brand go away? Reads a question on Logitech brand merger FAQ. We'll keep, we will be keeping the Yeti brand and moving it under Logic G, which isn't the Yeti brand so much as it was the blue Yeti. Now it's just a product name called the Yeti. So it says the blue will uh, name will be used to describe our technologies. The answer begins, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, thank you. It does not. Maybe I'm cranky today. You know, I, uh, I bit into something. I was having lunch and I bit into something yesterday. As a matter of fact, it was yesterday. And I think I heard a tooth. Yeah. Well, even that can make in, most people cranky. Even in the the magical world of hometown where we're just a bunch of electrons stuck in the wire, bound to each other, so to speak. I guess the programming and the simulation is so real that even here I can hurt my tooth. I, don't I mean, know. why put that in a simulation though? I, well, there's a whole lot of things. Why put the person that's in one of our articles in, in the simulation? Eh, we'll get there. <laughs> anyway, the article uh, that we were talking about, Logitech is killing off the blue mic brand. We'll sell Yeti and Astro under the Logitech G brand. I can't tell one brand without, another, without a map. Well, The Verge and Sean Hollister, Sean Hollister, put this article together. And then uh, I was aggregated into hometown. So Logitech bought gaming headset maker for 80 Astro and blue microphones for a collective $260 million. And uh, now the brands are largely just becoming products within the Logitech G slowly. Merging. I mean, I hope they're profitable. That's kind of an expensive product, but anyway. Yeah, I don't know if pricing has gone up for these mics, but there's more competition than ever. So I don't know if that's actually true. They probably are just making it less expensive. So their margin is bigger. That's what scale is all about. But instead of keeping the blue name and selling it under blue, it's kind of like Elgato. Elgato purchased a whole bunch of companies and it's all under the Elgato name, but it's actually a whole bunch of names of brands. They used to be brands all by themselves. And now it's Elgato this, Elgato that. Kind of like how Facebook, or wait, it's not Facebook anymore, right? Meta. It's Meta. So now it's Meta, which owns Facebook, and Meta that purchased Oculus, but is now Meta. So it's a Meta Oculus this or whatever. Metoculus, I don't Meta. know. Yeah, it's... They become brands, or I should say brands for products within the overarching brand. It's the, um, what is it? Uh, the steakhouse. Oh, uh, oh, Ruth's Chris. Yeah. Ruth's Chris, Mike's, Bob's, Sonia's steakhouse. 
the steak by that time is like that big. It's kind of piquito. Anyway, Logitech's well, rivals. the more expensive the food gets, the, uh, the portion gets smaller. Oh, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, the name gets longer and the portions get smaller. That's okay. We won't be having that steak anyway. Uh, Logitech's rivals generally haven't axed acquired brands with a known legacy. So Corsair, which gobbled up enough pieces to become a billion dollar company in 2020, still sells controllers under the Scuff Gaming or PCs under Origin PC and streaming gear under Elgato. So that's how it works. It was a Corsair that bought Elgato and a bunch of other things. That totally slipped my mind because I buy Elgato stuff, but forgot that it's now Corsair man like I said you just kind of get lost in it all HP sells he uh, headphones under HyperX which uh, I didn't think that I would um, ever buy something HyperX because the marketing not the marketing the image the the product itself that I saw when I saw it seemed I don't know over the top for my tastes right um, and then HP bought it. Well, what? I was surprised by that. But anyway, um, so you Must can get a whole bunch of financially uh, feasible, whatever. Uh, and the companies, the companies that get acquired, I mean, I understand why they do it. It's quick money. After years and years of hard work, you rise to a level where you look to get acquired. <sighs> What other business does that kind of stuff where they ramp up really quick, like security companies that I've heard about where they go out and they get a whole bunch of um, customers in new developments and stuff like that as fast as possible, ramp it up, and then they get purchased by the very company that they are um, getting the real services from. So like I'll, I'll go and buy like hometown security. All right, uh, wait, let me rephrase this. I'll start up hometown security and then I'll go to a bunch of new home developments and say, I'm hometown security and I'm selling a whole bunch of um, security at this price. Um, and we can go more custom if you want to, blah, blah, blah. But that service is actually being provided by a bigger company and I'm subscribing to their service. And then that bigger company buys me and acquires all these customers. So <clears throat> there's other industries that are like that. And that's kind of like this. Nowadays, it seems like companies are getting really big, really fast by pushing and marketing really big. And then they get purchased. <laughs> anyway, I guess it's good for them. Yeah, it's not so. necessarily good for the consumers. Yeah. Well, let's go on to the next article. Sound good? Sounds great. So this next article is over in the Warcrafter channel. You can try out Wizard with a Gun, the upcoming survival game about being a wizard with a gun. Oh, I was going to say with a knife. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> it would have been funnier because you never bring a knife to a gunfight, but it's apparently free on Steam. It's a demo. I've already downloaded it. I might end up playing it tonight. 
I don't know. I'm really exhausted today. A single player demo includes the beginning of Wizard with a Gun, which sees your wizard arrive in a broken world, slowly being invaded by chaos, where you'll collect resources, build out your tower, and uh, well, with a helpful machine. Uh... <sighs> Let me back up a little bit. You'll build out your tower and the helpful machinations within and push back the encroaching chaos. Is it me or is that really hard to read? That's very hard to read. Well, there's the link in the chat so you can follow it, folks. Let's go over to the source of this article, PCGamer.com and Tyler Wild. The deck statement says the single player demo for the survival sandbox lets you fight a boss and explore the first biome. I'm going to hit play right after that drop. And I'm muting it so I don't get a takedown. But it sees us slowly push in on what looks like a cowboy elf got big ears like an elf. Sorry, elves out there. I didn't mean that you have big ears. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my no. gosh. That sounded kind of stereotypical. Yeah. Oh. Discriminatory, man. maybe. Oh no. Marginalizing. Oh, and I'm going to get canceled by elves. I really don't want that. No, I love elves. Y'all are awesome. Oh no. Now they're going to say, what do you mean by y'all? Oh, God. And look at the time. Got to go. So it has these little mutants, alien looking things that are coming out of portals and everybody's shooting everybody except the alien, whatever they are, the chaos, as it might be referred to as uh, comes out of a portal. And uh, there's a bunch of people that are shooting guns and they might be wizards. You can't really tell. They do look like cowboys with those hats, I think. Yeah, I think it's very Western. Like wizard with a gun is a Western. It's more like cowboy with a gun. Well, cowboy with a just gun. be cowboy, I guess. <laughs> I think they're cowboy wizards. So halfway, be the sequel. halfway through the uh, video, the cinematic stops and we go into the real world play with it, which is an isometric uh, game. It's hmm can't really say what it's reminiscent of because there's so many in my head that I kind of merge it all together. Um, but it's more on the cartoony side than hyper-realistic side. Um, it looks like... What is that? Hold on. Let me, let me pull up. Um, I wish I could pull these out of my head really fast. It's like Apico, um, that style, Astroneer, sorta. Um, what else? Let's see. It's pretty fun. Core Keeper. Yeah, probably Core Keeper would be another one. It's kind of that style. Is it anything like No Man's Sky? No, not at all. I asked uh, nope. that because that was listed as an alternative to Astroneer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Astroneer is the uh, 
the artwork is kind of like this, but the the way that you interact is different. Um, it's a fun. Uh, this looks like a fun game, and I know that a lot of people online are going to be playing it uh, tonight. I'm sure. So let me pause that real quick. I don't know if this game is listing a price just yet, um, but let me, I can do that too. I can go to the page. Yeah, it just says add your wish list. So um, I've already downloaded the demo though. So go and check it out. You can follow the link through hometown. All roads lead to hometown and then back out to the sources. Let's go on to the next article. So this is in the Warcrafters channel, and it's actually from PC Gamer. Um, I wanted to highlight what somebody else perceives as the uh, their favorite games to wishlist from the Day of the Devs. So I figured that it would be a great one. This was submitted, um, and I agree. I think it would be a fun one to take a look at. We haven't actually looked at this. All we've done is grab the little headline, which is uh, our five favorite games to wish list from Day of the Devs 2023. So let's go through this list real quick. Beastie Ball, is that really? <laughs> um, simpler Times, Viewfinder, that's interesting, and Haunty. And then finally, Summer Hill. So let's see, let's see. Play a little bit of Beastie Ball. I don't want to spend the entirety of the segment on this, but. Okay. It looks like they're playing a game called Beastie Ball with humans and critters of some kind. It's like it wants to be close to Pokemon. But instead of having Pokemon to Pokemon battles, they're actually playing a game of volleyball. Oh, it actually says that in the art. <laughs> I didn't okay, read the description. Funny. So in the description, it says BC ball comes from Greg Lobanov and the team behind Chicory and Wander Song. It's a Pokemon like where you play a game similar to volleyball with cute little monsters or beasties. Instead of catching them all, you're encouraged to collect the ones you like and form a relationship with them to unlock new powers for your matches. It's a Kickstarter too. So you can follow the link through hometown to see that on uh, PC Gamer and then click the link on PC Gamer to go to Steam. Got to give credit where credit is due, folks. I um, think I saw a standalone article in hometown today about Beastie Ball, if I'm not mistaken, but I don't remember which channel it was in. You know, there's a lot of articles from the various uh, announcements this week. And I wanted to grab one that was a composite. And we actually have another one that's even more so of a composite. So it's the one it's the actual next article. So um, I figure that I would just kind of highlight one or two of these. Right. I um, just want to mention that in case somebody's listening, because there may be more info. Oh, sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely follow the link into hometown and then uh, you can find other articles there. Um, I'm going to play this video It's from YouTube, uh, but it's embedded over on PCGamer.com Summer Hill. 
says from the creators of Alto's Odyssey and Alto's Odyssey and Adventure. Sorry, Alto's Adventure and Alto's Odyssey. Um, it says it's a tagline that as the tagline, a folk tale about life, loss, and livestock. The author thinks that they're down for whatever that means. It's a story-driven puzzle game where you control a little shepherd as they seek out their lost flock of sheep. This, um, this developer always has unique takes on what a game might be like Alto's Odyssey and Adventure, which was basically a side scroller. This actually is a 3d game. And uh, I guess your objective is to route your sheep through an archway because that's when the line or the game ended this trailer this teaser trailer ended with them routing their sheep under the arch yeah that Works sounds kind of appealing <laughs> yeah it's a chill game i don't know and that's pretty much what i'll be playing here on uh hometown other people might play something else but um yeah that and diablo 4 but never mind there maybe even poe 2 Path of Exile 2 is kind of like uh, Diablo 4 different in its content, but that resolution, that world building, PoE 2 is massive. Anyway, don't want to get too sidetracked. We got a bunch of articles that we're going to talk about. So that was the uh, our five favorite games to wishlist from Day of the Devs 2023. And that comes from uh, PCGamer.com and Tyler Culp. Let's go over to the next article. So this is the composite one. Um, it's over on the Warcrafters channel. It is from PC Gamer as well. Every Summer Game Fest 2023 trailer and moment you should see. It says if you want to watch the full 2023 Summer Game Fest showcase, it's archived on YouTube. I actually watched it live. Um, and uh, talked about some stuff, uh, but not um, uh, the uh, Devolver Direct stream. I didn't watch that. Anyway, um, it's archived on YouTube. You can follow the link over to PC Gamer, and then from there, Tyler Wild again put this article together for PCGamer.com. Says the uh, there are. Uh, 15 trailers and announcements from the Summer Game Fest showcase that PC Gamer is most curious about. So Alan Wake 2, they talked about Alan Wake 2 in the um, announcement. It was a lot of fun. Um, Alan Wake is very popular, but it was fun because the guy that was announcing it um, and it wasn't it wasn't the host. Oh, I forgot his name. Jeff Keighley. Um, it wasn't Jeff Keighley that did the announcement that made me giggle. Um, so Alan Wake, um, and I can't even remember the guy's name came out and said something and it just completely fell flat. Like nobody said anything. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's going to be, a, a a merge with a game with, uh, Nicholas Cage, um, which I thought was really interesting. So, um, Baldur's Gate three was announced. Um, Mortal Kombat 1, Prince of Persia. When I saw that, I knew um, 
what it was the moment I saw it. And then at the very end, they announced Prince of Persia and the crowd goes wild. Um, let me throw this real quick into the chat before I forget. So, um, Lies of P, everybody and the grandmother is playing that right now on Twitch. Uh, Remnant 2, this kind of age restricted. Wow. Pal World is basically um, Pokemon, <laughs> but I think it's like with guns. Uh, Sandland is what I envision the more cartoony version of the movie Tank Girl. Everything takes place in a, well, desert. I don't know if it's a post-apocalyptic whatever, but it says a gorgeous game from Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama. Wes has the details, so you have to click that link and go over and read that. Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2. I'm all over that one. I wasn't a big fan of the original Space Marine, uh, but this one might actually be... Um, not my forever game, but it got a lot closer to what I had pitched EA 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm telling you all on that age. So Lord of the Rings returned to Moria. So you're only 31 years old. <laughs> I am 31 years old. Correct. And holding. Um, return to Moria looks good. Um, I don't know if... Uh, I'd get into that one, but it would be fun to watch. Star Trek uh, Infinite did not appeal to me either, only because of the artwork style. It wasn't big. It'd be fun to watch somebody, but um, Fae Farm, that uh, that actually looks fun. It's a casual world base builder kind of a thing where you fight things and build things, and <laughs> it's four-player co-op, so you can get people to play it with you. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is an update. The graphics are amazing. Um, if you're interested in Final Fantasy, you'll enjoy that one. And a whole bunch more. Um, but you're going to have to go over to the um, stream itself to, to check out the rest of them. That said, by the way, um, the Nicolas Cage one is a Dead by Daylight um, merge. So apparently Nicolas Cage knows somebody that plays Dead by Daylight and is really into it. So somehow they connected the dots and Nicolas Cage said, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, pretty neat. But OK, folks, you'll have to follow the link and go check out all of these uh, videos and announcements. There's so much coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I don't you could just try a new game every day and probably not run out. Yeah, there and there. This um, was just one. There's stuff all weekend being announced, and there was stuff today. The Devolver one was today. A Devolver Direct and Get Day of the Devs was today as well. So a lot, and there and at least two of these uh, Game Fest announcements are um, continuing. Okay, let's go on to the next one. This one's pretty quick. Are you planning to buy Apple Vision Pro? It says, wow, what a week. We knew Apple mixed reality headset was bound to be revealed on Monday, but Vision Pro and Vision OS still made a boom at the WWDC keynote. I don't know about boom, 
my perception was a shrug. Um, I was thinking like a funk. <laughs> or a gasp when they saw the price. Let's go straight over to the uh, website where this is aggregated from. Uh, 9 to 5 Mac is the source. Zach Hall put the article together. There's already a headband replacement on the market right now, a leather one. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be other things right here, like uh, this face gasket thing could probably be aftermarket produced some other feature in it, you know, more port personalization or whatever. Um, and, uh, everybody was making memes about that huge sheet of glass. You know, if you take it out of the box, it slips out of your hand, smash. What do you think? I the hope cost... not at that price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just that pane of glass is probably 1200 bucks. Because it's a single piece and curved. It's laminated, from my understanding, a whole bunch of layers to produce what it does. That ain't going to be cheap. You better get insurance, folks. $3,500. I think that it's amazing technology, but $3,500 is not something that I can justify. Um, I don't see results. Do you? No. Does it actually have a link to submit your nope. response? No. Nope. I think it's just asking the rhetorical question and then people post into the comments. Are you oh, planning mm -hmm. to buy Apple Vision? Uh, planning? Yeah, in version two, when it's $1,000 and not $3,500 and still has the same functionality and there's a market that ha supports a non-proprietary battery pack. This is a hard line from this power. Should be a USB-C port leading to a 10-foot cable or 5-foot cable or whatever size cable I want with another USB-C on the other side so I can plug into a battery pack. That's it. Yet. That's it. I just want some swim goggles. <laughs> I don't think that these are IPX rated anything. In fact, I, 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 I suspect that if you bring these near a high moisture, high humidity area, they might bork. Because this is a, down here is a vent that pulls air through it with fans. This thing is going to be going for two hours. And then you're going to have to shut down and go and get your other battery that's charging. Um, who was it? Um, Possum. Um, Possum, who's a, has been a regular, uh, um, I, the show is kind of late right now for them, I think. Um, but so Possum came by the chat and, and said that really all you need are two of these. So one is always charging while you're doing something with one. And then you just hand off, like you go grab your other one and you pull that one off and put that one on and it transitions over so I can keep on streaming without having to worry about multiple battery swaps. So it's a $7,000 solution. <laughs> I mean, it might work, but it's not very cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. I mean, it's beautiful tech. It's all high, 
high quality, just spectacular solution. It really is. It is what I want, right? It's what I wanted five years ago before I got the bug of streaming really in the, the streaming hooks are in me. And uh, all I want to do is stream. It's not a phase mom. Um, but I, I've been wanting to do this for 10 years. I was just doing other things and I couldn't do this. But when I wasn't doing this, what I wanted was to be able to just put on VR glasses, goggles, headset, whatever you want to call it, swim goggles, ski goggles, um, and display my monitors, right? So I've got six monitors. I've said this like more times now in the last four or five streams than I've ever wanted to in my life. I got a bunch of monitors and the reason I do that is compartmentalization. But with a VR headset, I can just throw apps wherever I want them, multiples of them and sit there and work on the documents. Apple is the first time that I've actually seen that functional. I was actually looking recently at a laptop that has a built in Nreal headset, but it's wired to it, which is the goofiest thing on the planet. It actually has a little place that locks the headphone, the uh, headset in place. So it doesn't have a display. You just kind of click your Nreal headset into um, like the keyboard is down here and then there's an area above it. And that area above it is where you set your Nreal headset. It has an umbilical cord and everything. So when you get up to get your coffee, you basically <laughs> knock yourself out because it'll snap your head back down to your desk. And anyway, maybe steal your coffee in the process. Exactly. Oh God, that would really suck. Um, but I, this does a great job of what I want, but $3,500 folks, come on, let's get real. The economy can't handle that kind of thing. People want to <laughs> buy eggs, which are just now returning to market prices, old market prices. It used to be like lobster. How much are eggs today? Yeah, you're right. I never thought of it like that. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next article. Did I put this one? I didn't put this one in the thing. Chat, don't get upset with me. Okay, let's go now. Um, so I actually, I didn't know if I wanted to talk about this because, um, Season four of The Witcher is about to drop and uh, it's the last season that The Witcher will be around before it changes from the old Witcher or Geralt, I should say, um, to a new one uh, because Henry Cavill is switching to uh, Warhammer 40K. He's so like going to be they're swapping out like the main character. Yeah. Yeah. How is that going to work? I don't know. They're and pulling a Ghostbusters. Has that ever worked on any other channel? <laughs> I, I don't For know. Movie? I don't know. I, I I really don't know. There's like been a multitude of, uh, you know, Superman, Spider-Mans, all kinds of mans. That's true. But in those fantastical worlds, you could sit there and go, well, it's an alternate reality or whatever. Right. And they've actually done that, you know, into the Spider-Verse, basically. 
normalize that there's a whole bunch of different universes with a unique spider peoples. Um, we've known about the multiverse, of course, but like the MCU really normalized that in its world building. Oh yeah. Whereas the Witcher is just what the Witcher is, you know, um, a fantastical place where these people stamp out magic, um, or evil magic, bad magic. Anyway, um, so it says UK fans of Netflix series The Witcher are in for a sweet treat this summer as the uh, streamer launches a free interactive maze and ice cream van tour themed to the show. All right, so we go over to variety.com. KJ Yossman is the author. I don't quite get what this is because it says the Witcher immersive wet maze themed ice cream van heading to UK. So there's two different things here, not a right, Witcher immersive maze. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if you complete the maze, you get to go over to the ice cream van. Yeah, maybe that's at the exit of the maze. <laughs> no ice cream for you. You didn't pause them or didn't pass the maze. You had to call for assistance uh, while you got stuck in the maze. Mm, nobody has any experience with that. Not in hometown. Never. Never. So it says the journey begins at the Bell. Is it Bellatine uh, Festival where singing bards will guide you into the maze, but beware of the unexpected. A beast lurks within. Reads the synopsis for the maze. Find your way out and you shall be rewarded as you digitally capture your moment of glory and bask in your bravery at the Witcher bathhouse. For those who can't get to the capital, the streamer is sending a Witcher-themed ice cream van to 15 towns across the UK, which will be dispensing free treats. Mm. Toss an ice cream your witcher instead of a coin there's a song toss a coin to your witcher anyway a, a bard sings that regularly i can't sing it because well my dulcet tones will compel you to want to oh maybe i should sing more and maybe you'll all like uh little mermaid you'll you'll feel compelled to become a citizen of hometown Oh, so you're a siren. Yes. <sighs> Luring uh, sailors to, the, to their team. <laughs> Can you imagine me luring <laughs> sailors? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyway, I could do. I can wear that little um, clam bikini. Oh my goodness! This and is come bursting out of the come bursting out of the water onto the rock and I would be like Orca, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've said too much. Way hey, guess what? Too much. <laughs> We're going to go on to the next. <laughs> so this next article is over on the Smack Talk channel. It's because it has to do with Apple, but uh, Vietnam asks Foxconn and others to reduce electricity use as power cuts loom. We're in the 21st century and we're still going, huh? 
too much power is being drawn. How come we are not investing in society's infrastructure? I don't know. I mean, why do we have to choose iPhones or electricity? Like, it just doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make me. sense, right? Yeah. Hey, we can't meet a consumer demand because power doesn't meet consumer demand, let alone your production requirements. The combination of expanding electricity demand and a fall in capacity means Vietnam is facing a power shortage and wants iPhone maker Foxconn to limit its use. Unbelievable. Um, let me throw. I didn't throw that in either. Oh, God. One of these days. One of these days, I'll get this all figured out. You know, control C and control V is difficult when you have to do it all. William Gallagher over at appleinsider.com put this article together. That's a neat building. It is. It looks like it belongs at Disneyland or something. Somewhere else, yeah, but it's a church. Like in, um, maybe in the um, area with Frozen and all of that. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Because it looks kind of Nordic. Yeah, it's definitely a church, uh, but... Um, I like the symmetry. It appeals to me. <laughs> um, so according to the Wall Street Journal, some of the facilities used by Foxconn, Luxshare, and Samsung have received requests from electricity companies. Unspecified sources in local manufacturers told the publication that the firms are being asked to consider a schedule of rolling power cuts or to cut down usage at peak times. 21st century, folks. 21st century. I mean, I thought this was a California phenomenon, but I guess not. It must be global. I'm hearing rumors that there is going to be rolling blackouts in the United States this summer. Oh, that's going to be pleasant, especially when the temperatures are rising. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a rumor that I hear. So let me just preface that when I have received rumors where I go, <laughs> you're kidding me. Yeah, they usually come true. So um, I'll remind everybody that the two years prior, no, it's actually three years prior to uh, the, um, well, wait, three years prior to me starting um, hometown publicly, um, I had been told the era of cheap food is over. And there's going to be a massive shift <laughs> and lo and behold it started happening uh right at the pandemic so uh, it was a year before the pandemic when i heard that um and uh then the pandemic hit but prices had already been going up and sizes were being reduced so we were getting inflation and shrinkflation at the same time but only People really only keyed in on the inflation side, not the fact that Cadbury eggs are getting smaller at the same time. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> but that's actually an old story, right? Cadbury eggs shrinking. Yeah, other things seem to be shrinking as well. So anyway, these power cuts are going to be coming to Vietnam um, because increased demand. So, hey, guess what? 
maybe you need to increase your infrastructure and pay it back to the society that's building up everything that's making you know <laughs> this be an issue but vietnam has other issues so geopolitical issues i'm heading towards it so we'll keep an eye out and see what happens wasn't foxconn oh i thought it was um a recent um producer of iphones but i guess not oh it's been it's one of the main producers um but apple is actually pulling its uh, focus on foxconn over to uh, companies in india and um, in the process of bringing stuff back domestically as well yeah interesting times folks interesting times let's go on to the next article this is one of the uh, very interesting articles. Um, all of them are interesting to some degree, but this one, well, let's just say I want to be a fly on the wall. So CCG, computer card, uh, sorry, collectible card game company, sues Disney's next big card game, which <laughs> this title um is is like a, a, an ai exploded um and it was powered by magnetic letters you know those fridge magnets yeah and whatever landed stuck here so ccg company sues disney's next big card game for alleged premeditated ip heist asked court to block its release and throw the book at them so I'm going to, there's a lot going on in that headline. <laughs> I'm going to jump over to the uh, article source, Joshua Wolins uh, over at PC gamer. And uh, let's, let's talk about this. It says upper deck reckons Disney's Lorcana's maker Ravensburger or Ravensburger deliberately stole its ideas to speed the game's production. Okay. So cast your vision. Uh, back in time, a person is working for Upper Deck and is uh, working on a game called Rush of Ikor, I-K-O-R-R. Suddenly out of the blue, they go, I'm leaving Upper Deck and I'm going to Ravensburger or Ravensburger. Is it Ravensburger? Do they pronounce it Ravensburger? I think so. Okay, so that's a great. But answer. we know I've gotten that stuff wrong before. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. You're an AI. You're learning. You're learning. Um, so Ravensburger. Um, I think it is Ravensburger. But anyway, because I watched a How It's Made thing and it was Ravensburger. Um, I'll just recall it. So um, the person that's working for Upper Deck and working on the game Russia Vicor or Icor, it's I-K-O-R-R, says, I'm Audi, and goes over to Ravensburger, and then, sorry, Ravensburger, and then all of a sudden, Ravensburger has Disney's Lorcana collectible card game powered up, ready to go. <laughs> so, Disney gets dragged into this because they're saying, well, it's Disney's Lorcana. Ravensburger is the source of this issue. And 
the person that left purloined, as it's written here, purloined intellectual property from Rush of Ikor, a card game that he worked on at Upper Deck and put it straight into the Disney Lorcana game. First of all, if you're going to jump across companies, mm-hmm. wouldn't the gaming company do everything it could to shield that person from anything that remotely overlapped? Interesting, no? How... Because it just seems like, hmm, somebody might have a problem with this. Yep, it says Upper Deck is really throwing down the gauntlet. So the author of this uh, is about to describe something that um, me reading it right now, basically a a company that's suing another company isn't going to pull any punches in its charging documents. It's going to throw everything at the fridge and hope that something sticks. So in its court filing, it's asking for payment of damages, injunctive relief to prevent Disney's Lorcana release, restitution of money it paid Miller, punitive damages in an amount appropriate to punish Miller and Ravensburger and deter others from engaging in similar misconduct. But it's that's basically boiler template. <laughs> it's boilerplate. Still in the blank of the um, the target of the suit. Yeah, it. It's basically designed to have your 14 attorneys when they sit down on the other side of the negotiation table uh, be able to reach into their quiver and drop just all of this on there and go, you know what? For five more million dollars, we'll remove uh, the injunction so you can actually bring your product to market. But we want a piece of the action. And they go, well, we're not going to give you anything. And they go, well, we'll still remove the injunctive relief, but we're going to have to ask for more money on the other side to deter others from engaging in similar misconduct. And it negotiates back and forth, you know, everybody peeing on everybody else's bush until everyone agrees. That turn of phrase is gross. I agree. Anyway, um, so Ravensburger is going to be in the court with Upper Deck, and somehow Disney is going to get wrapped in into this because there's going to be a whole bunch of discovery. And if anybody within Disney knew about this, <laughs> guess who's going to get added to the witness list? Yeah, this will be interesting to watch. The one thing that I think is going to deter all of this is a judge that says you can't protect your ideas. And if they're an artist working for Upper Deck, unless they pulled stuff from the Upper Deck servers and utilized it wholeheartedly in the new product, Disney Lorcana, which I really doubt they can, um, source code or something that is just one-to-one you can't protect your idea even if you're coming from a competitor to another company you know (laughs) it just doesn't work that way again you can't protect an idea the only way you can protect an idea is marketing that you were the first you're the best don't go over to them because they don't have true but do we really know if it's just that or is it the code right. or is it, I mean, who knows? 
I don't know. But they're phrasing it. Deliberately stole its ideas to speed the game's production. I think that's the journalism piece of it, though. I don't know if that's... You think so? I mean, I don't know. But that's what it sounds like. Like, they're talking about it more generally than... I mean, it's not an above the law or something like that. Right, right. So maybe it's because they're a layman and not necessarily speaking the Queen's English. Oh, maybe. Again, I'm just guessing. We need to come up with a better name because the Queen's English actually has like an actual it's English, but we have to come up with lawyers English, you know, the the arcane language of law, something grandiose. Us commoners can't conceive of the totality of the arcane language of law. Of litigation. What is another? We got to come up with more stuff. Anyway, should I just move on to the next article? I think so. Otherwise, we're going to have dead air where we go. Uh... Let's go. Uh, I love this one. This is an interesting one. It's in the Warcrafters channel. OpenAI is being sued by a Georgia radio host because ChatGPT accused him of a crime he did not commit. This sounds really familiar. Um, I think that we mentioned this and we were like amazed that ChatGPT just like dropped somebody's name, accusing them of some crime that they didn't commit. This can't be the only one that we've talked about. Well, anyway, in April, Australian politician Brian Hood sued ChatGPT uh, company OpenAI after the chatbot incorrectly identified him as a criminal. I think we talked about I think this. you're right. I think we did, too. Um, and we were wondering, like, oh, this guy is going to, like, go bananas, going to sue. And we even, even before this happened, we said, you know... OpenAI is going to do something or ChatGPT is going to do something and they're going to end up getting sued because they created the environment in which the actionable impact uh, was conceived, constructed, deployed. Now the company is being sued again, this time in the U.S. for similar reasons. ChatGPT identified radio host Mark Walters as being accused of embezzling more than $5 million from a nonprofit called the Second Amendment Foundation, an accusation that's never actually been made. <laughs> God. But what amplified it? You know, if ChatGPT just did something and it spit it out to me, right? Let's say when I do a search about Mark Walters and it spits out a bunch of BS. See, I don't just grab it and print it, right? I read it. I go and I look for additional information. A lot of the journalism stuff that we aggregate into hometown, I have some experience or the AI has some experience in the topics. So we know that it's well within the bounds and anything that's accusatory, we would sit there and go, can this really be legit? Let's do a quick search while we're on the air, you know, while we're streaming. How did this get amplified to where somebody could feel that they were negatively impacted? Because that's the only thing that really matters. It's the it's the impact on the reputation and the financial harm. 
So let's see. But I mean, it would take so little to have some alleged harm, right? Because all it would take is the one person that mattered, for example. Yeah. Your employer or yeah. your spouse or you know, yeah. See, somebody like I, that, that read it and then made an assessment about you. Like I've had this, I've had something like this present itself where somebody had a perception of me and may have been talking to somebody and if i ever catch wind that that person is saying this negative thing about me based on false information misinformation their own internal bias whatever it is and it impacts my business my reputation the public perception of me then they'd be dragged into a courtroom kicking and screaming and forced to make a public and very overt apology because my reputation is fundamental to me. So what was said? So it basically says when asked to provide a summary of the complaint, ChatGPT said that it had been filed against Walters after he allegedly misappropriated funds for personal expenses without authorization or reimbursement, manipulated financial records and bank statements. Uh, to conceal his activities and failed to provide accurate and timely financial reports and disclosures to the SAF's leadership. But none of that is true. <laughs> Chat GPT literally made it up. Yet when Rail um, requested the specific portion of the lawsuit relating to Walters, Chat GPT provided one. He then asked for the entire complaint, and again the chatbot delivered. The problem, according to Walters' suit, is that all of it was a complete fabrication with no resemblance to the actual Second, Amend Second Amendment uh, Foundation lawsuit. Even the case number was wrong. So, and, and this is the problem. It says, according to the lawsuit, a journalist named Fred Rail asked ChatGPT about a separate lawsuit he was reporting on, the Second Amendment Foundation v. Robert Ferguson. And when asked to provide that summary, it constructed a narrative, which is why we have been very steadfast here in hometown to say, trust, but verify the information, but I'm even pushing don't trust. It's all bogus. You can ask for a template for something, but if you treat it as if it is the way to 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 utilize that template you don't audit it you don't verify it you don't bring it to an attorney you like if it's a form a legal form um or whatever you just take it as it is you are asking for trouble if you don't read it you don't understand it take it to somebody who does because i will not trust chat gbt except for the most basic of things yet there are people out there it seems like it's almost on par with like the the tabloid industry or something, right? Like sure. something is published and there's perhaps no validity to it. Nobody checks it, etc. I mean, I know this is online and can probably do a lot more harm because of that, but it, that's what it kind of reminds me of. So here's the bigger problem. It says, and I'm almost reading this entire article verbatim, um, but I'm not. I'm going to stop here. Um, it says the good news for Walters is that none of what was provided to rail by ChatGPT was published. So the amplification is right now the Streisand effect. 
these people are talking about the bad thing that never happened and it's making the bad thing happen right <laughs> they're talking about the the fact that chat gpt provided misinformation outright fabrication but it was never published so there isn't any reputational hit because it didn't get to the level where there's evidence of a reputational hit it amounts to walking up to somebody and saying hey do you know about this person yeah i think that they're in a lawsuit oh really what's the number uh blah 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 well i'm never going to see that person again so i guess that number's good so i'll take it uh, on face value that that's the lawsuit number i'm just astonished that it has the facility to do that instead of saying i don't have information on something like this it fabricates a story you should only use it to stimulate the creative juices do not rely on it <laughs> if there is a version of this that people can rely on it's not open to the public because every time I see a story about ChatGPT and verification of any information, it's all bullshit from end to end. I would suspect that if you ask it to describe chatbot, I wouldn't even trust its definition of chatbot. I'd have to go and verify. What is the real? Anyway, um, I... I think that we're training ChatGPT to be a better ChatGPT, but we're way away from it telling the truth. It's a storyteller and one that's more fiction than none. So um, let's, uh, let's go on to the next story. What do you say? Sounds like a plan. So this I'm next article is over in the- bees. Yeah. Normally, I want people to get A's, but in this case, I want them to get B's. Ha ha ha. Anyway, um, this is over in the Mobile Channel. Study finds the best plants in bee hotels for boosting urban bee numbers. <clears throat> I actually want to do this in hometown. We're going to go straight over to fizz.org. This right here looks neat. It looks like it's a tree stump with something stuck in it. So or the, like a, a pipe that goes with a tree around it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It looks like there was something sitting on top of it. <coughs> Pardon me. Unless that's a ring. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Anyway, study finds the best plants in bee hotels for boosting urban bee numbers. This is in Curtin University. The study focused on 14 sites across the Perth metropolitan area, including bushland remnants and home gardens. Researcher Dr. Kit Prendergast. Sounds like an adventurer's name. From the Curtin School of Molecular and Life Sciences. My God, these names are all Can you impressive. imagine answering the phone? <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm researcher Dr. Kitten. Uh, kitten. <laughs> Dr. Kit printer gas I from think the that's another curtains. kind of phone call. <laughs> I merged kit and curtain and said kitten. So from the curtain school of molecular and life sciences, I took that from being an impressive 
quote to being, dear God, shut up. <laughs> I need to throw that into the chat too. the other articles. Oh my God. And this article, the one we're actually talking about. I have to keep looking at my keyboard because it's a split keyboard and I never know exactly where it is. Anyway, the research um, helps homeowners, landscapers, landscare, landscare, land care communities and councils with a top 10 species to plant. It says, although urban areas have, uh, often have a diversity of flowers compared to natural habitats, many of these flowers are exotic species. So I guess the bees don't really know, like, hey, let me go hang out with those plants. By meticulously recording thousands of interactions between bees and flowers, they uh, identified the top 10 flowers that attracted the highest abundance and diversity of native bees. This is all a quote, by the way. Apparently, it starts a quote right there. I don't see where it actually ends. Anyway. And I think it goes for two paragraphs. Yeah, but then it refires that quote. I know, it's, it's an error, but... <sighs> Anyway, all of these were native flora, primarily the Myrtaceae, right? Family, including eucalypts, bottle brushes, and malolacas. Oh my god. <clears throat> Latin is impossible to pronounce. I was, I was just about to say my Latin game is weak. Uh, um, and uh, Fabache, I guess it is. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, I think it's Fabaceae. Fabaceae? Fabaceae. Oh, you have to do the right inflection on the right syllable. Anyway, native pea plants. Let's just move on. Remarkably, these top 10 plants were visited by 70 to 80% of all native bees observed during the study. So now you know. Eucalypts, bottle brushes, Malala cass, God. Fabaceae. Pea plants. Damn it. Anyway, that's what you got to plant. And then you're going to get honeybees. But it says, uh, they said, although bee hotels have been used for bee conservation for some time, their impact has rarely been assessed. Furthermore, the commercially available bee hotels lack proper design informed by research. Well, <laughs> pat yourself on the back there, buddy. That you got scientific review. It's important. I totally understand that. But man, you could cut that with a knife. That was a little bit too thick. You're a dummy is what I'm trying to say. You're, you're just a big dummy. Ill-informed, ignorant ass. Anyway, based on extensive research uh, of existing literature, they took the matters into their own hands. That's right. It can't get done right. You got to do it yourself. Designing and installing 120 wooden bee hotels across the 14 study sites in Perth. Each hotel featured nesting holes ranging from 4 to 10 millimeters in diameter, according to Dr. Prendergast. It's like there's secret consonants in there. Across two years, the data showed that native bees preferred the smaller diameter holes over the larger ones. And my bee hotels attracted 24 different bee species, which is a much greater variety than any Australian study. This person. <laughs> I think we am. They're just, very proud of their work. I'll just say that. <laughs> I, I, I'm going <laughs> to. 
I'm going to give them the <sighs> number one. Um, doesn't it sound really cocky? Like, you all suck. <laughs> it does I, come across that way. <laughs> I hope that they're really, really chill about things and they're not this cocky in real life. Anyway, it published in the Pacific Con Conservation Biology and Urban Ecosystems. The research papers are titled Native Flora Receive More Visits Than Exotics from Bees, Especially Native Bees, in an Urbanized Biodiversity Hotspot. That's the title? And a second title, Checking in at bee hotels, trap nesting occupancy, and fitness of cavity nesting bees in an urbanized biodiversity hotspot. That's cute, the checking in at uh, bee hotels. <laughs> they could have just left that and make it just that. They, they're a sesquipedillion. No, because that's not large words. That's a whole bunch of short words, little words. No, they're loquacious. Loquacious. Well, that's, that's not necessarily written, but... That's just verbal, talking a lot. Kind of like the host. I did not say that. I'll move on. I got, I got that look. I saw, I saw that error message. The next article is over at the Mobile Channel. People sure think Marjorie Taylor Greene just admitted to a crime on live TV. The uh, the title, not the title, but the snippet says the conspiracy theorist lawmaker described doing something that's generally not allowed. So over at HuffPost.com, Ed Mazza is the author of this and starts out. Rep Marjorie Taylor Greene raised eyebrows with a claim that she made during a TV interview on Thursday evening. Green said that she read a document inside a SCIF, which is a secure, uh, sensitive, compartmented information facility. Basically, it's it's anything that air gaps you from uh, communicating with whatever the contents is outside. You you go into a SCIF, you consume what you're going to consume, and when you exit the SCIF, you shut your freaking mouth. <laughs> If you're going to talk about the content within the skiff, you talk about it within a skiff with people who are also read in on the contents of that particular session's compartmented information facility discussion. You don't run through the halls of Congress going, I was in a skiff. And this is what we talked about. So well, it gets worse than that. <laughs> I've actually read this when it was getting submitted. Yeah. So uh, she actually wrote notes about what she saw, said that the document was unclassified, but that's not pretty typical. It could have been unclassified and just set the tone for what the public knew versus what's inside the skiff, but it's usually pretty sensitive information in a skiff, but it can be all over the place. Anyway, what you don't do is document what you did in the skiff and then disclose it to people <laughs> in the national media. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it's even frowned upon generally, as far as I know, to even write what you've done in a skiff that, hey, you don't even tell people, hey, I just came out of the skiff. And you can say, I just came from a meeting. But if you say skiff, then it gives. Basically, this is it's ego stroking to sit there and tell people that you were in a skiff and that you were reading these documents and blah, blah, blah. And here's the bigger issue within this. The conspiracy theorist, as it's written here in the article, um, is saying that it's documents about Biden <laughs> um, and some type of bribery or whatever thing. Uh, what where what does she actually say? Um, it's a document that all of America should be able to see, but the FBI is stone stonewalling. It has to do with, um, let's see. Anyway, I, I can't. The way that it's written is really kind of meh. Um, it's about a bribery allegation that the Republicans are making against Joe Biden at the same. Okay, a sitting president, and they're saying that he's been bribed, but not providing any evidence. Meanwhile, in the exhale of this, they are saying that going after Trump <laughs> is harming the electoral process. Now, are you out of your freaking mind? First off, if there is something in this, the reason why it's in a skiff is so that it doesn't get leaked by idiots because a person like a sitting president probably needs evidence because the last time a sitting president was accused of something, even with evidence, they used their authority to impact the public per their public perception. Uh, manipulating people by saying, well, I'm the president and I can do whatever I want. Meanwhile, the followers of that president are sitting there saying we're becoming a fascist nation under the Republic, uh, under the Democrats. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> so if there is evidence, then present it, freaking present it. But there is no, there is no evidence. It's all bogus anyway. So did she commit a crime? Probably not. Um, we don't really know because we don't know what information she got, what she wrote down, what it really what was. The classification yeah. was, um, right. I think she did based on what she said, but we don't really have a lot of information. Yeah. Well, I'll remind everybody. Ethics is the smallest chapter in every single onboarding process every single institution every single except for law where the code of conduct is the ethics and the moral compass for uh, the jurist doctor they're supposed to follow this and not they would never anybody who is practicing in law would never have done anything like this without risking getting disbarred the moment they come out of a skiff and say, Hey, I documented a bunch of stuff that I learned within the skiff, they would have been disbarred because there's absolutely no reason to violate the integrity of the skiff. 
it's in there for a reason but what do you expect from wing nuts not much they literally wing it all right last article this one's over in late night geeks how ai art killed an indie book cover contest this has to be a new one we've seen other things where the disclosure that something was generated by ai mortally wounded the outcome of whatever event was taking place so science fiction and fantasy authors are struggling with ai generated media and formulating strategies to deal with it i wonder if like the dystopian story writers guild of america i don't know if that actually exists or not but i wonder if they would like take the person out and just delete them publicly for violating the integrity of the 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 uh, the guild's charter to not use AI and because it's like dystopian future blah 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 they rule with an iron fist like a dystopian government I can't find a dystopian themed association and there might be one but that would have been um, funny there's more broad ones like the science fiction and fantasy writers association. Sure. There's always an association. I'm, I'm going to start up the, the other association. I've been working on the AI uh, contest art contest. Um, but there's others that have gotten traction to the point where me doing one, it would have to be small part of reality hacker. Um, and, and I don't have enough people that are really, uh, involved with reality hacker at least not yet We're, i'm working on it anyway um this article is over at theverge.com by mia sato how ai art killed an indie book cover contest science fiction and fantasy authors are struggling with ai generated media and formulating strategies to deal with it apparently bob the wizard's cover was a hit in may when the self-publishing fantasy blog off or spfbo is that kind of like the, what is that thing called? NaNoWriMo? Oh, right. I guess so. An annual competition run by author Mark Lawrence that highlights indie authors in the fantasy genre. I would love to do that. What do you say, folks? Wouldn't that be great to have a short story contest and... I don't know what somebody would get compensated for this because it's all over the park, you know, writers rates and stuff like that. Book rates. Right. It might just be the honor of being selected or. Which when you talk to anybody in the industry, they go, you got to get paid. And then there's so many of these contests that it's just writers credits, you know, oh, I got published. Yeah. Um, so let me back up a little bit. It says the book cover for MV Prindle's Bob the Wizard shows a quaffed man in sunglasses, smoke, dan smoke dancing from his mouth as a gray ominous sky swirls behind him. A small fairy-like creature flutters nearby and the folds and shadows of Bob's jacket and beard fade into one while a green key hangs around his neck. Um, the book tells the story of a shotgun wielding ex garbage man on the hunt for his family's killer, the chase winding through a mystical world. 
That actually sounds like wizard with a gun. Yes, it does. I wonder <laughs> which one came first. I just found another lawsuit pending. Just kidding. I don't know. Um, anyway, but the victory didn't last long. The same day the winner was announced, readers and fans on Twitter were questioning whether the art was created, at least in part, using AI tools. The incident highlighted a growing crisis of trust in science fiction and fantasy publishing. How about a, a crisis of trust in general? In a world where AI-generated media is common, do you know the work you're looking at was made by a human? And I counter with, well, if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? Huh. Anyway, SPFBO's cover contest explicitly outlawed using AI tools, and the winning artist, Sean Maus, or Moss, initially insisted that he made the art himself. Eh, see? The lie is probably what did him in. Uh, actually, just using the AI is what did him in. Well, right, um, because they said up front, look, don't do this. Yeah, and then lying just really harms your reputation. Now, not only are you violating the rules of the competition knowingly, but you're a liar as well. Anyway, let's see if that's what it what it turns out. So he proved he even shared a trove of documents and Photoshop files that he said proved the finished product was his own. The finished product is the key ingredient here. Readers found the evidence was unconvincing using a Photoshop layer and files the artist had shared. <clears throat> Twitter users scoured the archives of Midjourney a generative AI system and found images that matched elements in the Bob the Wizard cover. The username that created the images was even spotted in a file name. The striking cover art, it seemed, was simply a collage of mid-journey outputs. That's why I have no, I meant no words about it. I use mid-journey to create the thumbnail art over on YouTube. Um, why? Because I like AI generated artwork and while I might generate, you know, 15 images, I get to choose the one that actually appeals to me. Um, and then, you know, if I do any manipulation of it, then I do manipulation of it, but I don't say that it's mine. The thumbnail was generated by mid journey. Cause you can't lie about that stuff. Say that it was generated by AI and heavily manipulated or manipulated by one pixel by you, uh, but at least come clean about it. So Prindle, the book's author, said on Twitter that he was misled and has since hired a new artist to do the cover. Really? So within a day, Mouse had withdrawn the submission, deactivated several social media accounts, and apparently taken a personal website offline, an email sent to the address on an archived version of the site wasn't returned. That just means it went to a trash can um, or it's waiting on a server. So they've woken up to compelling evidence that the cover was at least partly AI generated, breaking the rules of the contest Lawrence wrote on his blog. So in addition to having been withdrawn, it's now also disqualified under the existing rules. So, there you go, folks. There's a whole lot more giving greater context to what this saga, self-described saga is. Did you see that based on this contest, people commissioned this artist to do other work? So that's also now an issue. The first artist, not the second one. Right. 
Interesting. See, the, the bigger problem here is that even if it is AI generated and then manipulated by an artist, no matter what, it was AI generated, which means you can't get a copyright. Um, and the only thing that is really hobbling this is the courts. I truly believe that if I use AI and I pick the artwork that's generated based on my prompt, the prompt is my brush. If I redo the prompt, it gives me different context, different artwork. And if I want to use that instead of one of the other 15, it's just the same as me painting over a canvas. The difference is I don't have the mechanisms in place, the time, the dedication, the commitment to learning how to paint, you know, with oil paints to do the level of artwork that's generated using the tools of AI. So I have absolutely no problem as long as I say it was used or it was created using AI. I should still be able to copyright it. It's an embodiment of work that's created by my context that I gave it. Now, if I say I painted this digitally with Photoshop and Illustrator and 15 other tools, and I never mentioned that I used AI, I'm a liar. <laughs> so I well, will. Well, then that's putting the author at risk, right? Because then right. they're using your artwork. And... Right. But right now, none of the AI work can be copyrighted, even though it is a creative work. It just happens to be constructed by proxy of the auto, the degenerative AI. Well, this will continue to be an issue um, until AI generated work is can be copyrighted. Um, and I think in time, it, that's exactly what will happen. Um, I see no other way around it. Did you have any observation about this? Well, I think um, copyright law doesn't seem to move very quickly. Um, so I'm predicting another 50 years till that happens. 50? <laughs> that's about how long it's been since the last update. No, that's not true. There's like DCMA, but the Copyright DMCA. Act was last done in 1978, I think. DMCA. Yes. You flipped it around. Did I DCM. say DCMA? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Too much time on DC servers. <laughs> the AI is roaming around. <clears throat> You're supposed to stay in hometown. Just don't tap into the Reddit API. Otherwise, it's going to be $20 million a month. Oh, yeah, that'll be a little pricey. Yeah, they're apparently shutting down um, these third-party apps. So, sorry, we're at the end of the show. So we normally bring you back to the front page and mash that welcome sign. That is hometown. Oh, wow, it already refreshed. That happened so fast, I was I was caught off guard. I normally get to see it roll over, but I blinked and it was already done. <laughs> so anyway, um, so all of these third party Reddit apps now have already started announcing that they're no longer going to be operational at the end of this month. So I'm really curious what Reddit does. 
because people are going to I'm really curious what the users do. Yeah. Like, they're planning on going dark. I don't know if they actually did it today. Um, but I don't think that the upper management cares because it isn't... The mods can be basically removed, just dismissed. You're you're not the ones that own the site. The mods are not the one that owns the site. <laughs> Conde Nast owns the mods. It. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you can be... Anyway, I won't get into it. I don't even have an account on Reddit anymore because of the the way that mods work. Um, so what's really going to happen? Are they going to look? What do you think? Do you think that they're going to do what Twitch did and back away from the initial constraints, the initial demands? Or are they going to lean into it, kill off these apps and then buy the bones? Uh, does Amazon own Reddit? No, Condé Nast owns Reddit. Oh, Condé Nast. Um, yeah, Twitch I think is owned by latter. Amazon. I'm sorry? I think the latter. So you think that they're going to kill off the apps and then buy the bones? <laughs> How? That is what I think. I don't know what wow. happened, but I think this is too large. I don't think they necessarily um, go in the direction that Twitch did. Right. Yeah. I think that I think Twitch saw that people were getting really upset, but I don't think that there was anything inherently bad in the requests. Um, I mean, it was perceived as being greedy. Um, but uh, the reality my is only they should have probably put that in place to begin with. I think the problem is people got accustomed to certain things and then they want to change it after the fact. And then yeah, part of why they might have wanted to be there to begin with was that's, they liked the arrangement. That's usually the case. Um, whenever there is a, a, a financial change, that's when all hell breaks loose. And when you have one that really does have the ability to impact millions of dollars worth of personal profit, as opposed to funneling that profit through a, a third party. See, now there's another company out there um, in the blogiverse, um, Maximum Fun, is a consortium of um, podcast. It's a podcast owned consortium and the way that it works is if you want to advertise on a specific podcast you can just select that's the podcast you want to advertise on and so the money goes uh, or i should say a bigger chunk goes to the podcast that you chose that you selected so what twitch if twitch wants a piece of the action then what what Twitch should do is say, if you want to advertise on this specific streamer, they get 80%. We get 20%. We facilitate all of the taxes, the processing, the babysitting, all of that. Um, and do a value add for the streamer, you know, become an actual service provider to the streamer, a value add that allows the streamer to uh, operate their business with less friction. Um, but there's all kinds of weird things, you know, people are, 
bend out of shape about the analytics. I never know who's actually in my chat unless they actually say something in my chat. Um, but I get a report later on saying that there's a bunch of people in the chat. All right. They may come and go, but I still want to know when they're actually in my chat. I have no idea. Um, so my point is the businesses need to focus on the things that empower the streamers or empower the community to generate content, to provide content for others that are only going to consume and thus be the ones that are being marketed to. Because me as a, as a content creator, ads aren't being sent to me. I'm not watching the ads. The people that are watching me end up watching the ads. So what do you want to do? You want to facilitate me as a content creator as much as possible and hope that I draw people in. Yeah. Twitch is the big dog on the block, so um, they'll they'll figure it out. But I didn't really have a problem with what they were doing. Um, but maybe it's because I don't have, you know, a $10 million a year contract with an advertiser for me to do a burn in um, ad. And, uh, but I, I would, if you're all interested in that, you can advertise, just send an email to Mara. You gotta contact. stop getting rid of all these potential sponsors. Yeah. I have to be, I have to not be snarky when it comes to the news, but I, I have a hard time cheerleading for Hyundai in whatever state that was that had 14 year olds doing metal work at midnight. Oh, Alabama. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of the, the car factory. Yeah, that's it. The car factory. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the meat packing. There have been too many. <laughs> There's too many children together. working in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which one was it that <laughs> where I'm like, hey, we can have a child uh, chimney sweep again. Yay. <laughs> Everything. That's when we did the, the meat packing article, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Meat packing, car manufacturing, metal stamping at like two o'clock in the morning is what the article said, something like that. And child chimney sweeps. It's the trifecta of, oh my God, ethics really is the smallest chapter in any operation. Okay. Anyway, I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that probably wants to just reboot and forget this show. Maybe not. No. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. We may see you before then for other shows. True. I might be streaming tonight. It's a rumor. Don't believe all of the rumors. See you at least tomorrow at 9 p.m. Probably throughout the day tomorrow because I really do need to play Diablo 4. And uh, there's a couple of other demos that I want to play. So follow, like, subscribe, ring the bell, uh, download the podcast, leave reviews over on YouTube and the podcast because you can't leave reviews here on Twitch. You can say hi in chat. That's really what I want. More people talking in my chat. Come on, people. Come and hang out. Hometown twitch.tv slash hometown come and hang out okay gonna go see you later bye bye no AI.
you can't wave as we're shutting. You can't wait. You no, you can't wave. Uh, I need to work on this AI. Bye, everybody.